There's something so powerful about the grace of God. Do I have anybody at church today that is thankful for the grace of God today? Come on. Anyone in Lancaster thankful for the grace of God today? I find that it's really easy to take for granted the grace of God. I find that the longer you sit in church, the easier it is to take for granted what God's grace means. I need his grace, not just once, not just when I was 17 years old, but I'm declaring to you, I need his grace every single day of my life. Come on, any of you need that grace of God? I, I've got a message to kick off our series, and it's really grounded in, in a truth about God's grace. And so if you're here today at either of our locations and you feel like you don't even really belong, that's only because you don't know how gracious and how loving and kind our God is. Because we're all messed up. There are no perfect people in this church. Just a bunch of people that have met the grace of Jesus Christ. And it's changed us. It'll change you. And it'll lead you to do something significant for God and His kingdom. We're going to talk about that in this series. And we're getting ready to move into a new season, a new uh, a time where we celebrate the birth of our Savior, Christmas. Come on, how many of you are thankful for Christmas? How many of you love Christmas? Christmas is amazing. I love the season of Christmas, but I always like to take our church in a time when we're so wrapped up in all the gift buying and giving with our friends and our family and that is great and that is fun and there's something about it where we can show love and appreciation toward each other i love that i don't think we shouldn't do that but i also think that if we're going to celebrate jesus's birthday we ought to also give him a gift this season amen come on we're so good at giving gifts to everybody else as a church i like to challenge us because Listen, on my birthday, I don't want, I don't want my family giving gifts to somebody else. Give them to me. I want them all. And I think it'd be rude of us as Christ followers, those who have received his grace to, to turn around and not even, not even give that back to him. And so what I mean by that is every year at the end of, of the year as the church is kind of a tradition around here. But we, we like to give an opportunity to make a gift and give a gift to Christ and his work through our church. And so on December 16th, we're going to have a difference-making, difference-maker offering. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. But it's we do this as a church because I believe that the way we end one year, one season, really will propel us. And I want to begin 2019 with strength. I want to begin it just on purpose. I want to begin it with resource so that we can make a greater difference for God's kingdom. Because I want to make a difference in this life. Amen? I, I want us to be a church that makes a difference. So we're going to talk about that, but more than anything, this is not a series, it's not about giving money. This is a series that I pray will stretch your faith and challenge you. So we, we got off of a last series, which was a lot of fun, talking about judgmental Christian. We have fun. This one's going to challenge us. Some of you are like, I was challenged at the last one. I know, but in a different way. And I believe it is going to take our faith to a deeper level. Amen. Would you all bow your heads in both locations and pray with me? Father, we 
We are here just so honored and so thankful for your grace, your love and kindness that we don't deserve. So God, I pray right now as, as we encounter you, Lord, I pray that you would open up our minds, our hearts, God, so that we could see you maybe in a way we have been. I pray right now, God, that we could encounter you in a way that is fresh, that is new, that is life-changing. God, we love you and we praise you. We give you all the glory. And everyone said, can we give them praise one more time, church? Now listen, before you find your seat, I want you to high-five three people. Tell them God loves you and God's a Buckeye. Make sure you... Amen. Come on now. Come on. Mm. If uh, there was ever evidence that God is on our side, it was evident this past week, this on Saturday, yesterday. Come on. You know, I almost started to feel bad for that team up north. If you happen to have come from that state and you did not choose, but your parents didn't know any better and had you and I almost started to feel bad for, for Jim Harbaugh. But then I remembered that as Christ followers, we never take pity on the devil. We never take pity on the enemy, amen? So let's stick it to it. No, I'm just kidding. But it's true. I mean, I am thankful for the scarlet blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses all unrighteous. Anyways, difference maker. I'm just curious, a show of hands real quick. How many of you really, really, I mean, like your goal in life, your aim is to be average? Raise your hand if you're thinking, that's me, Pastor. How did you know? There's ain't nobody in Lancaster, anybody. I just get you. How about if you could say, if there is one life I want to have, it is a mediocre life. Raise your hand. Like, mediocrity, that is my word. Nobody? You, you see, I think one thing that we all know to be true, and I, I feel this, is that we want to believe that our life actually matters. Now, now maybe you're here today, you're an atheist, you're someone that says, hey, I, I don't know that I even believe in a God. Then there are some who would say, yeah, I don't know that my life matters. I think I'm just a result of a bunch of random things that just happened, and, and there's really no purpose to it. But I think most of us, if not maybe all of us, whether you're a Christ follower or not, you're someone that says, I, I believe in a God, a, a first cause, that, that there's something inside of all of us that wants to think or believe that my life will count for something. I don't want to just be a blip on the radar of history. That, that as James says, my life is a vapor. It's here today and gone tomorrow. My, my life means nothing. Like, I don't want that in my life. I don't think you want that. I think, I, I think there's... We, we want to know that our life counts for something. We, we do. I, I think that's one thing that separates uh, those who have faith in God from maybe those who don't, is that we feel a sense of divine purpose. Do you ever feel that? Like there's, there's something about it when you encounter God that kind of gives you a sense that I, may, maybe I matter. M maybe, I'm, maybe I'm supposed to do something. Maybe God created me and not by accident but maybe the creator of the cosmos also created me for a specific reason i don't know if you've ever wrestled with internally like i think that's why we sometimes struggle with like what direction is my life going what good is it what am i doing with my life 
And so one part of me is like, I want to make a difference. I don't know if you ever feel that way. Like, I want my life to count. I don't want them to get to my funeral. And it's like, well, he lived a good life and he had a good career. And he, you know, I, I want my life to count for more than that. I bet you do too. I think we all do. But on the other hand, I, I feel this tension inside of me because I also feel like, well, I'm just one person. What can I do? You ever felt like that? I feel like, you know, I, I could live in obscurity and nobody would know and no one would care. Like, I think that's a way a lot of us feel about our own lives. Like, like we always look at somebody else who's influential and we go, they like to see why they make a difference. And some of you, you know, like for me, I just, I feel like I'm just a Midwest, Ohio grown, you know, not great in school. I was not even close to the smartest in my class. Heck, I'm not even close to the smartest in my own family, okay? Like, like uh, you know, I, I wasn't great at sports. I mean, I like to think so in my mind, you know, it's kind of like I'm a legend in my mind, but not so much on the court, you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of how I was. And, um, and, and so I, I want to make a difference, but the other side of it, I feel like, what can I do? Like, I, I look at my life and I... And I think, how, how much influence, how much difference can I make? I mean, heck, there's, there's middle school girls that have way more followers on Instagram than I do. That's depressing, right? In, in fact, it gets even worse when you, when you consider that there are 7.7 .7 billion people on the earth. I'm just one of them. You, you know, it's kind of like a tension, a struggle we feel because you, you kind of feel like there's a divine purpose that God has for us. But on the other hand, you think, what am I going to do? I mean, one, one out of 7.7 .7 billion, that's not good odds. Do you know you have better odds of winning mega millions, one in 300, than 300 million, than you are at like making a huge difference in the world? Like, and, and so I think it can be discouraging, it can be a little depressing. And, and then on top of all of that, sometimes I, with, I wrestle with this idea that God could ever use me because of some of the things I've done in my life. I wonder if some of you feel that way. Like, you hear this idea about being a difference maker, but you look at your own life and you're like, well, pastor, I'm not like you, and I don't have a microphone, and a bunch of people go to church, and, and, and you say, in fact, I, I've, done a lot of, I've done a lot of things I'm ashamed of. I've made so many mistakes. In fact, maybe you think about this past week stuff that you've done. I've hurt so many people. I've sinned in this way. And, I, and there's like, what? And, and we start to ask this question, what could God do with me? And Mac, in fact, some of you might, might be at church and... That seems like the furthest thing from your mind. And yet, I don't think any of us want to go through this life and it be meaningless. And so I feel like there's a tension there. Should we be difference makers? Yes, but I don't know that I can. And if there's someone that I think about from the Bible that actually really illustrates this tension, it's a guy named Paul from the New Testament. Maybe you've heard of him. We call him the Apostle Paul because he started a lot of, of things. And, and I wanted to read to you, if you've got a Bible with you, I wanted to read to you something from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And you can turn there if, if you want to, or if you've got an electronic device. But I was thinking about Paul. Paul was a guy that, honestly, if you don't know his story, you, you wouldn't understand what I'm about to read to you or its implication. Paul was a guy that was zealous for God, but he was going in the wrong direction. You know that can happen in your life. You can be zealous for God and move in the wrong direction. And so Paul was actually trying to kill Christians. He was trying to stamp out followers of Jesus. And so Paul was actually literally had orders so that he could go to towns and arrest Christians. He, 
He was someone who was standing and giving approval at, at the death of Stephen, one of the early church members. And, and, and so here is this guy, Paul. Uh, he was known as Saul. He's on his way to imprison Christ followers when he had an encounter with the grace of God. And he met Jesus on the road to Damascus face to face, and it changed his life. And so Paul, though, continues to wrestle because he feels this sense of divine purpose. But on the other hand, he's really struggling because of his past. What could I do? I messed up. I screwed up this marriage or I screwed up our finances or I've screwed up these relationships or I've lied. I've cheated. I served time in jail. I've, okay, if you, if you ever can, I struggled with this addiction. Okay, this is Paul. He's, and so Paul says something in 1 Corinthians 15 verses 9 and 10. If you're... If you feel like these verses are familiar, it's because I preached this passage in Easter and I never really got a chance to, to kind of expound on what, what God had shown me in it. So today is kind of a sequel to Easter, if you would. So if you can go back and watch the Easter message, it might help you. But Paul said this. He said, for I am the least of the apostles. They called him an apostle because he started churches. He said, and I do not do, even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. You shouldn't even give me that label. I don't even deserve to be in the room with Jesus' followers. This is the way Paul saw himself. And then verse 10, I love this verse. I love this verse so much. Paul said, but, remember when I preached about but at Easter? That didn't sound right. Let, you know, we always have a but. God wants to use you, but, but he said, by the what? Everyone help me out. But by the grace of God, come on, that is so powerful. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. He said, no, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Let me reread part of verse 10 to you. This is the part I want us to focus on. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. I don't know if something um, goes off inside of you when you hear the word grace. I think sometimes in our culture that the word grace has been reduced to a prayer that you say right before your meal. And some of you are so slick that when someone asks you to say grace, you just say grace, and then you want to eat. And I think, I think grace is sometimes kind of seen as, as an event. It's sometimes seen as like, you, you know, I was late for this, but he gave me grace. I didn't have my homework in time, so the teacher gave me grace. Uh, sometimes when we think about grace, it's, it's this singular event, this thing that happens. Sometimes it's just a little prayer or whatever we do. But Paul sees grace as something so much deeper than that. How many of you know the type of grace that Paul knows? See, Paul sees it so much different. It reminds me of the old hymn that maybe you know so well. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a what? A wretch like me. You see, I wonder if, if something inside of you doesn't go off when you hear the word grace. I wonder if, if when you hear the word grace, if you don't think about the fact that you are a wretch. Now, see, this is like, come on, pastor. I didn't come to church to have you call me a wretch. 
But but the truth is this, I, I, I fear that a lot of times if you're like me or Christ Father that maybe has been in church a long time, that the longer we're in church, the less grace is that important to us. Yeah, there was a moment, there was a time in history I prayed this prayer. And yeah, grace, you know, back when I was like that. And I think some of us have been in church so long that we have been sitting in our self-righteousness so long of how we follow all the rules and all the things we don't do that when we hear about the grace of God, we're like, yeah, it's grace. The grace of God. But Paul wants us to understand He says, you don't understand what my life was like before the grace of God. You don't understand who I would be if it weren't for the grace of God. I'm here to tell you that I wouldn't be on this stage if it weren't for the grace of God. I don't know where I would be if it weren't for the grace of God. Is there anyone else here today that is a little bit thankful for the grace of God in your life? Because if not, then I'm going to say this. If you're not that thankful for the grace of God, then either you haven't experienced it or you don't feel like you need it. If the grace of God, just thinking about God's grace, if it doesn't move you maybe even to tears, then then I would just challenge you if you're a Christ follower, you should check your heart. Like, Like Paul said, God's grace had an effect on me it changed me like it did something in me something shifted in me on the road to Damascus in one moment something changed inside of me this is what Paul would say he would say but by the grace of God I am who I am today I don't deserve see that's what grace is by the way grace is getting something you don't deserve I don't deserve the kindness of God. I don't deserve the forgiveness of God. I don't deserve his love. I don't deserve his mercy. I don't deserve a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance. I don't deserve any of that. But because God is gracious, it affects me. But Paul wants us to understand something. That's a layer of grace. That wasn't what God showed me because that's just what I felt in my life. But Paul wants us to understand something about his grace today that's a little deeper than that. Can I take you a little bit deeper than that? Just a little bit. Let me me reread verse 10 because I don't want you to miss this, so I'll underline what God showed me. In 1 Corinthians 15, 10, right, Paul said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And he said, and his grace to me was not without what? Everyone say that last word. Without? Come on, we can do better than that. It was not without effect. Um, God showed me something in this that I, can, I can't break down for you unless I help you with some English. How many of you liked English in school? Raise your hand if you liked English in school. Gosh, you're so weird. Whatever. <laughs> like, it's just, I, that was like one of my least favorite subjects was English, Okay. And um, I screw up sometimes all the rules. There's so many rules with English. I think that's why I don't like it that much because, you know, if you say good when you should have said well, you know, like, and people correct you. And, and sometimes I just don't say, I'll preach so good because it just sounds better. My wife will be like, well, you know, it's like, I know, I know. Um, and sometimes we mess up. Like, 
my wife will correct me all the time on, on Instagram. I, I, I screw up things. And I don't mean to. I actually know sometimes the rules, but I mess them up anyways. Like, have any of you ever messed up it's and it's? Just anybody? Or am I the only moron, right? Like, I mess up it's and it's all the time. Is it, it is, I know it's a contraction, I know it's can be possessive, but sometimes I forget the little thing and I mess it up, you know? And, 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 and my wife will point that out to me. Um, you know, it's one I do get right uh, almost every time. I say that because I might screw it up now and y'all be pointing it out on social media to me. But um, there and there and there. Ah, thank you. Yeah. There and there and there. Right. I, I at least got that one down. Right. Um, I, I do pretty good. Now, I will tell you, there is one that always gives me trouble. And if you're not someone who lies in church, you would be honest and admit it'll give you trouble. Um, and that is effect and effect. Can I get a witness from anybody that knows my pain? Hello? Effect and effect. I sometimes struggle with effect and effect. And, and so I'm reading through this verse and I see the word effect and then Paul's like effect. And, 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 and I start thinking about the difference between the two. And I think Paul could actually help us in this verse understand the difference between effect and effect. Now, I'm going somewhere with this, so if you think this is stupid, sorry, hang on. I'm going to get somewhere with it. I hope it'll be impactful in your life. Um, the word affect, okay, affect, means like something happens to you. It's most often, here's a rule that helps, it's most often used as a verb, okay? And so I think when Paul says, God's grace to me, he's using it in, in a way of saying, I was affected by the grace of God. That's what Paul would say. God's grace, like something happened to me. I was on the road to this town. I'm ready to this. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up, blinds me. His grace affected me. Okay, so that's affect. We good? You all with me? Go with me with the affect, all right? Then he says this, but it was not without effect. So I'm like, okay, God, grace effect. I'm like, okay, but not without effect. Now, effect... Is, is not when something happens to you that's affect, but it's when something results, it's something happens as a result of something else, if you're at cause and effect. So, so in other words, so it's used as a noun. This verb affected me, noun, this was the effect of it. Are you clear? No, you're not. This is great. This is not going to work. So, so Paul is saying... God's grace affected me, but it didn't just happen to me in one moment, but it is a continual thing that results in a different effect. Okay, so uh, I want to illustrate this because when I wrestle with this idea, and here's where I think Paul's going to help us. When I wrestle with the idea of being a difference maker, I think, what kind of difference can I make? I want to talk to you about the grace effect. That's the title of my sermon, the grace effect. And there's something that can help us illustrate this. Um, the grace effect is actually a more powerful version of the butterfly effect. How many of you know what the butterfly effect is? Raise your hand if you know what it is. Great. Just hold your hand up. I need someone to come up and explain it. Do you want to see all of a sudden you're like, eh, no, no, don't ask me, Pastor. I can't explain it. Right. I, I, this is how my mind works, okay? I'm like stuck on this word effect. It was not without effect. It was not, okay? It's, 
And, and then I started thinking about the butterfly effect. Let, let, let me explain the butterfly effect to you. To the best of my ability, um, I don't know if this will be helpful. It was actually a theory, something was discovered by a meteorologist and mathematician named Edward Lawrence. He was both a meteorologist, get this, and a mathematician. Like, now that's a guy you want to hang out with on Friday night, right? Man, like he was crazy. And, and so this guy, Edward Lawrence, uh, this was back in the 20th century. Like he was a meteorologist who studied systems, you know, like weather systems and big systems. And prior to his studies and what he discovered as a mathematician, everyone believed that basically you could predict a weather system. Like big massive systems are so big and so on a course that they're predictable. You can determine the output of the, the end result of major systems. Now, it's funny, it took a mathematician meteorologist to try to discover something that anyone who lives in Ohio already knows. That's impossible, right? Because we say around here, if you don't like the weather, wait 10 minutes, it's gonna change. And, and so because of this, he kind of developed this, this, this uh, concept through a bunch of study he called the butterfly effect that's part of chaos theory again this is way more than you want I know I'm gonna lose some of you were like what chaos theory which basically the butterfly effect means this that one small change one little itty bitty variable change has the ability to alter the result of a major system and why he called it the butterfly effect was he used this as an analogy that imagine a itty bitty little butterfly in the Amazon flapping its wings. That's enough of a change that could alter the direction of a system that it could affect, that could affect something around the other side of the earth. Okay. Now that I've lost you completely, let me show you how you can really understand this because there's a book that really helped me understand the butterfly effect. Um, it's a book that I used to read to my kids called if you give a mouse a cookie How many of you have ever read this book? Come on both camps raise your hand. Yeah, it's so good Okay, now real quick. I have to ask how many of you have read your Bible this past week raise your hand Just I'm just saying I want to make sure that you at least have read the Bible, but um, Yeah, this is one of my favorites that uh, we used to read to our daughters when they were little in fact It's an entire series. There's a whole bunch of other ones. There's um uh, I, I remember this. There's a, if you give a dog a donut, that's a really good one. Uh, what was the other one you said to me, Pastor Zach? Um, if you give a moose a muffin, that's good. There is, if you give a duck a dollar, if you give a cat a cat, no, I don't know. I was making that one up. I don't know if there's, if you give a duck a dollar, but that just works. If you give a cat a cupcake, um, let, let me, let me give you the premise of this book because I, I'm building somewhere with, with the butterfly effect that's really a smaller version of the grace effect that is connected to this idea of being a difference maker. So you're just gonna have to follow me. Now, I thought that maybe today I could read you this bedtime story. Um, but then I was worried that if I actually read it to you, some of you would fall asleep in church and that would offend me. So, but, but basically, um, let me give you a little bit of the premise of the story for those of you who don't know. It starts off with this boy who's outside and he sees a mouse wearing overalls I don't know why a mouse would wear overalls but he says this he says if you give a mouse a cookie now, I feel like I need to show this is like <laughs> elementary school everybody take a look if you if you give a mouse a cookie 
says he's going to ask for a glass of milk. And when you give him the milk, now we've got him in his house, he'll probably ask you for a straw. See the big straw in the glass? See, I'm trying, this is what I do. I break down complex theology <laughs> to an elementary age so that I can understand it, and then it's helpful for you. And when he's finished, he'll ask for a napkin. And then he'll want to look into a mirror to make sure he doesn't have a milk mustache. And when he looks into a mirror, he might notice his hair needs trim, so he'll probably ask for a pair of nail scissors. And when he's finished giving himself a trim, he'll want a broom to sweep up. He'll start sweeping. He might get carried away, sweep every room in the house, and may even end up washing the floors as well. When he's done, he'll probably want to take a nap, and you'll have to fix a little box for him with a blanket and a pillow. He'll crawl inside. I'm just trying to give you the premise of the story, and then you're going to give him a, you know, and you're going to read him a book before bedtime, and then he's going to see all the pictures. He's going to be like, show me all the pictures. And then when he sees the pictures, he'll get so excited that he's going to want to draw a picture so then you're gonna have to get him a piece of paper and, a, and some crayons and then he's gonna draw a picture and, and then when the picture's finished he's gonna want to sign his name to it and then with a pen and then he'll want to hang it on the refrigerator and so you have to get scotch tape and he'll hand he'll he'll hang it up on the refrigerator and when he looks at the refrigerator all of a sudden he'll be thirsty and so he'll ask for a glass of milk and chances are if he asks for a glass of milk he's going to want a cookie to go with it amen let's pray I feel so that was good. Okay. My point was that one small gesture, one small thing, if you give a mouse a cookie, could result in some major change somewhere along the lines in a complex world. Now, I think if Paul were here today and he were to write his own kid's book, he would call it, if you give a person grace. Because if you give a person some grace, there's something about that moment of receiving grace that Paul says is not without effect. In other words, it is going to result in something major that is going to happen in that person's life, all because they received some grace. This is the grace effect. This is the grace effect. You say, how does God use us to change the world? Why do I feel this thing inside of me, a divine purpose? Here's why. It's called the grace effect. Because Paul says, when I look at my life before and how I have messed up and screwed up, uh, it, but I then realize what the grace of God has meant in my life, it not only affected me, it came to me, but it was also not without effect. In other words, grace is the agent that empowers you to be a difference maker. And so you need to get out of your mind that grace is a prayer, that grace is a one-time thing, that grace was an encounter. Grace is more than that. Grace is something that you and I need every single day of our lives. Grace is the continual work of God for something I don't deserve so that God can use me and you to fulfill His purpose on this kingdom. The great. How many of you think that the Apostle Paul has made a significant difference in our world. Raise your hand. Every single person should raise their hand. One person. I believe next to Jesus Christ, this is my own personal opinion, no one else has affected this world as much as Paul did. No one else. You know why? Because Paul was so moved by the grace of God that he took the message of God, 
of faith in Christ beyond the Jewish world that it was in. Do you realize that Paul was the one who actually left the area and went around the Mediterranean Rim? Do you know Paul was the one that took it to a, a world of people that were not included in Judaism, were not included in Jesus? Do you realize Paul is the one that started churches that we can trace that because of the churches that Paul started, that it has traced all the way to church in Western culture, and we might not be sitting in church today if it weren't for the things that Paul did. And so the grace effect is what Paul talks about. Something happened to me. God did something for me, but not just for me because God wanted to do something through me. And this is true in your life as well. In fact, I want to I read to you something that Paul wrote to the church in Rome in Romans 1.14. Paul said these words because I, I think sometimes... The grace of God is something that we gloss over. I think sometimes we don't understand the impact of what God's grace should mean in our lives. And so Paul said these words in Romans 1 verse 14. Listen to the emotion in the, this one sentence. He said, I am obligated to both the Greeks and the non-Greeks, both the wise and the foolish. This is the same one who was trying to stop the work of God, that the moment he encountered the grace of God, said, I am obligated. That's an important word because Paul was not obligated because God said, hey, Paul, because of all the things you've done and because of how much you've messed up and out of penance for what you've done, you need to go do this. You need to make up for this. You need to do this. Paul was not obligated because someone held a gun to his head. Paul was not obligated because someone made him do it. Paul was obligated because he encountered the grace of God. In other words, it's the same word that means indebted. He was like, because Jesus took my debt upon himself on the cross, I am now indebted to him. And now something inside of me is inspired and I feel a purpose that I need to go and do something. And so Paul, when he says, I am obligated, he's basically saying this, I can't not go. I can't not do this. And I say that because, listen, as Christ followers, we should feel the same way inside. I can't not go. I can't not speak. I can't not invite them. I can't not give. I can't not serve. I can't not go tell them the good news. Something, something shifts on the inside when you truly encounter the grace of God. I don't know if you've encountered the grace of God like this. I don't know if maybe you prayed a prayer one time and it was primarily so that you wouldn't go to hell and yeah maybe my sins I deserve that and that is the greatest form of, of grace for it is by grace that we are saved through faith not of ourselves it's a gift from God but do you know what drives me to do what I do do you know why I want to make a difference and I pray that you want to make just as much a difference as I do it's the grace that I received from him when I was 17 years old. I, I need you to know this because some of you grew up like I did in the church. Parents who were pastors. I had heard all about Jesus and the grace of God since I was a little kid. 
and I had all kinds of head knowledge about God and I knew the books of the Bible and I memorized verses and I went to, I, I had that sense and I think sometimes you can be in church and be around the church and feel like you know a lot about God but until you experience him the way I did when I was 17 years old at a youth camp I don't know how else to describe this moment other than it was when I finally realized I'm a wretch and I needed saving. So I can say, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Is it a sweet sound to you? Because if it's not, my guess is you had an experience like I did where you grew up around religion, you grew up around all the rules, and you followed all the rules, and by all the things that you did do and all the things you didn't do, and you had, that's, a, that's self-righteousness. And I wonder if maybe one of the reasons why so often today, and this, this just bothers my heart that I see Christians, people who claim to follow Christ, but do nothing to advance his kingdom. Like we just want to come and we want to take and we want to consume and we want to just me, me, me. And we have this Christianity version about, I just want God's blessings in my life. I just wonder for some of them if they've actually encountered the grace of God like I have. Because when you do, you begin to see life differently. Something stirs inside of you. God, I just tell you, that's what drives me. You start to feel a burden in your life. You start to feel this passion inside of you. This is why I can't not lead our church in this way. This is why I can't not continue to stretch my faith and stretch our faith. This is why I can't not just have a church that just sits around that's for us. It's not about reaching people with the grace of God. There's something inside that compels me. I feel like, Paul, I'm compelled to take this message. But I can't do it alone none of us can we need each other there's something beautiful when the community of god community of grace comes together listen we, we have an opportunity to do that we have an opportunity to do that on december 16th at our difference making difference maker offering and listen i, I want to say something up front about this this offering we're taking i hope you don't feel obligated but at the same time, I hope you are obligated by God's grace. Do not feel obligated. This is what we call free will offering. This is above and beyond our regular giving. Maybe for some of you, you don't give on a regular basis. Maybe this is going to inspire you to say, I want to I start with this. But this is a free will. In fact, it says this in the New Testament, God loves a cheerful giver. So give what you have decided in your heart to give. So I want you to hear this from me as your pastor. There is no condemnation. This is not a guilt thing. Paul doesn't say, I'm obligated out of guilt. Paul says, I'm obligated out of grace. There's a difference. I'm obligated by grace. It's, it's moved me. It's changed me. It's not without effect. It's the grace effect. We're going to take this offering and listen, 10% off this offering is going to go back out toward outreach efforts. In fact, this season through this series, if you'll come back to it, you're going to hear other ways of how we as a church are want to make a difference in our community and you're going to get to be a part of it. It's going to be so incredible. I'm not going to tell you which weekend, but I'm just going to tell you, you might want to be here for every weekend so you do not miss out on one particular weekend where you are going to get to have the joy to be a part of us as a church making a difference because listen, I hope and pray that those in the community around our church that maybe don't believe in the God that we believe in, those who don't know God, maybe don't care to know God, but you know what I hope they say about this church? I hope they say we need more churches like this because this is the kind of church that makes a difference in our city. This is the kind of church that is doing things and taking the message of hope to those who are hurting. And so 
We're going to take part of the offering and use it for that. We're going to take part of the offering and use it for our next generation, especially in Lancaster. We need to do some things. We're working right now with the management at the mall, our location in Lancaster, to try to procure a long-term type deal or longer so that we can have an opportunity to invest in our kids' spaces. They need attention. And I'm telling you, if you want to make a difference in your life, moms and dads, let's make that investment in the next generation. I believe that they're worth it. Is there anybody else here that agrees with that? We're going to do some of that. We're going to use it for, uh, we're moving forward with a building and gender road, and it costs a lot. And so I, I want to encourage it. Like, this is an opportunity for us to respond to the grace of God. It's an opportunity. I, I, I hope that maybe something inside of you, if you've encountered Jesus, would leave you with this feeling that I can't not. I can't not. I got to. Because at the end of the day, e either you will be a container of grace or you can be a conduit of grace. We can either say, I received grace once, or you can continually experience and walk in the grace of God and become a difference maker in this world. Amen. Come on, both our locations. Would you guys stand to your feet as we pray? I just really sense that, that this is an opportunity for us to respond today to the grace of God. I want this to just be a real moment for, for many of us today we respond to his grace listen as we're praying I, I wonder if maybe there's someone here in Lancaster that you have never encountered the grace of God like I mentioned that maybe church has been religion church has been rules church has been but but it's you've never encountered the grace of God like I described you, you didn't have that Damascus Road type moment I'm telling you, the presence of God is here today, and you can experience the grace of God right now. I believe that you can experience that. And I want to give you that opportunity today at both our locations. That if you want to receive Jesus Christ, if you want to embrace the grace of God, I, I want to encourage you to say this prayer today with me. God, today I accept your grace, your gift of salvation. I receive it I realize I don't deserve it but I receive that grace and so today I, I'm giving my life to you I turn my life over to you this is the moment where I say I am yours and I give my life completely to you now and so I receive your grace listen but that's not just for those who pray that prayer with me for the first time Come on, I believe all of us need to continually receive the grace of God in our lives. If you're ready to receive the grace of God, would you just extend your hands up if you don't feel awkward? Just lift them up to the heavens. Because I believe that God wants to pour out His grace here today. God wants to show you His loving kindness today. God wants to fill you with the Spirit. God wants to fill you with His presence. God wants you to know His grace. His ever-loving grace, His immeasurable grace, His grace that will affect you, His grace that will change you, His grace that is amazing, His amazing, His glorious grace. God, we're here today to respond to the grace of God, the glorious grace, and we crown you, Jesus.